besides when you walked in Cause I have no idea where you've been What kind of energy you conjuring What kind of spells you be casting Hey, y'all. Before we get started with the episode, I would like to invite you to participate in our spring giveaway. Um, Spring is a time for renewal and new understandings and thinking about balance in our lives. And I was really excited to think about how I could bring some more balance to y'all. So My hope is that this giveaway will allow you to tell us how much you love the show, tell us what you love about it, so that we can make sure that you have what you need. So here's how you enter the giveaway. First, we ask that you leave us a review on iTunes. Then you ask that you follow us on Twitter or Instagram or both, if you're feeling spicy. And then we ask that you share a screenshot of your review in your Instagram story or on Twitter and tag us and use the hashtag cheers and queers. So that's cheers, the letter N queers. Um, And we'd love to hear from you. Um, What do you get if you enter the giveaway? First of all, I will be sending you some of our cheers and queers merch. We have physical merch. It's really cute and I would like for you to have it. And second, I will be selecting one winner at random and this person will get a chance to talk to me and I will be creating a custom cocktail that will be featured in a future show. So if you want to have a cocktail named after you that we will drink on an episode in the future, please, please, please enter the giveaway. The giveaway is open now and will run until midnight on the 16th of April. So I look forward to reading all of your reviews and hearing all about how much you love Cheers and Queers. Um, As I always say, we're five-star bitches, so please only give us five stars. And that's it. Enjoy the episode. Hello, hello, and welcome to Cheers and Queers, a boozy podcast about Black queer life. I am Ishoke, and I am a glimmer of spring. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Our handle is cheers, the letter N queers. Uh, Please use the hashtag cheers and queers to contribute to the conversation, to let us know what it is you're drinking while you listen and to chat with other queers. Um, I've been trying to put the little uh, recipes for little drinks online so y'all can see them. So you too can enjoy a little dranky drink along with us while you listen. So the thing people ask me all the time is how can I support the podcast? The biggest thing is you can become a patron. The link to our Patreon is in the show notes or you can just search Cheers and Queers on the Patreon site. If you don't have the coins because you know the Rona got you, that's cool. You can also rate us on iTunes. It actually helps folks find the podcast. It bumps us up in the Apple podcast searches. I like reading your reviews. It helps me decide what we're going to do with our little podcast adventures. And also, we five-star bitches, so only five stars. Thanks. So that's that on that. (laughs) 
Um, we have a special guest. Hooray. I'm going to have them introduce themselves in a moment with our magical check-in question, which is your name, your pronouns, and your favorite physical attribute about yourself. All right. I go by the name of Jennifer Eden, a.k.a. Slut of the Month, hey. a.k.a. Femme Daddy, hey. a.k.a. Biggie Shorty, <laughs> a.k.a. Polly Pocket, <laughs> a.k.a. J.E. Heartbreak. You know, I had to do it. I'm here at oh Cheers and Queer, so I had to make sure I introduced all aspects of self. <laughs> my pronouns are she and they. And my favorite physical attributes of mine would have to be my smile. Mm -hmm. I am in an interesting relationship with my smile because I got made fun of for it as a kid. I have, I guess, more teeth than the average person does. And so they're, they're kind of crammed in there in a way that like doesn't feel unusual to me because it's my mouth right. and I'm used to it. But people like to, like even as adults, people on the internet are assholes. People like to point out what they perceive as flaws. And so I've had to decide that this thing is my favorite part of myself so that when other people decide to put their own bullshit on how they perceive my smile, I've already decided that their opinion is irrelevant because it's my favorite part of me. Yes, 10 out of 10. Love that for you. So I am Ishoke on the internet. People know me as Queerly Femtastic. My pronouns are she, her, and ma'am. I am also referred to as Femzaddy, so I feel like there's like some synergy here. Um, and yes, I feel the Femzaddy energy. <laughs> My favorite physical attribute, I'm a cheat and choose to. It's always a tie between my eyes and my ass, right? Because my eyes are like, I'm a Pisces woman. We just, we be, we be coming for your soul with our cute little eye stares. We don't mean to though. Or at least I never mean to make you fall in love with me by like looking at you while you talk to me. I don't mean it. It's not my intention, but it happens. And then my ass, because I feel like for a long time I was in this I'm, and obviously I'm still working on my relationship to my body, but I feel like for a long time I was like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm small, right? I'm, I'm five foot three and a half. <laughs> and I always was like, oh, I'm disproportionate, right? Like my torso, my arms, my legs, my hips, they're all kind of like disproportionate. And then I got to a point where I was like, disproportionate to what? To whom? For why? Who told me that? For what reason? So I have come into a much better relationship with my hips, specifically with my ass, because I feel like it's a part of me that like is always there for me. It's always cute. Even when I'm like, mm, I don't know about the rest of me, but this butt looks good. So that's it. That's for me. Uh, let's talk about our drinks today. Mm. Yes, let's get into it. So uh, Jennifer suggested our our drink of the day for um, this episode. So it's called My Slice of Haven. So it's Rum Haven, <laughs> which I did not know was a thing until Jennifer told me about it. I was like, who is she? But she's cute. 
She's cute. That's who she is. <laughs> She's cute. She's cute. I do like some Rum Haven. I feel like I need to be less attached to this brand because it's not like they pay me to tell people how much Listen, I like it. But I really enjoy it. It's like a coconut water rum. So it has a nice little mild flavor mm-hmm. to it. Plus, you get to feel like you're doing yes, something healthy. Electrolytes. Because coconut water, <laughs> electrolytes, exactly. <laughs> Hydration, all the things that your body needs. Yes. Electro- I really, every time I drink it, I'm like, mmm, electrolytes. It's doing great things for me. And that's that's what I tell myself. But yeah, I it's real cute. It's the Rum Haven. It's a little squeeze of lime. You know me, I love a La Croix. So I put some bubbles on top. Oh, indeed. That's the way to bougie black it up. (laughs) Yes, indeed. We don't just club soda. We La Croix. We La Croix. So yeah, she's cute. I will put the recipe in the show notes. So y'all too can enjoy a slice of Haven. And also, if y'all know them Rum Haven folks, tell them to send us a case or some money or both. Both is good. All of the above. (laughs) Please and thank you. Because we deserve. actually do. So I want to start off with a question that some people love and some people hate. And so, you know, we'll see how it goes. But this first question is, who are you? What do you do? And why do you do it? Okay. I see why some people love and some people hate that question. I feel like who are you is such a such a loaded mm-hmm. question, but I, I, I personally love it. So here we go. I am a Black queer non-binary femme sex educator, Baltimore born, Baltimore stuck in a Ooh. lot of ways, um, but I have made it my mission to prioritize pleasure in my life and to teach other people how to do the Mm -hmm. same. I am working towards cultivating the world that I want to live in. And that world puts pleasure at the forefront, not just sexual pleasure, but that's great all by Mm -hmm. itself. Uh, But when I think of pleasure, I think of all the things that feel good and sound good and taste good and look good, all the things that keep me safe, all the things that build community, all the things that affirm all of my identities. And so pleasure to me and pleasure for the world that I want to live in puts all of those things forward. What I do I am a pleasure coach and sex educator. So I talk to people about desire, about clear communication, about negotiation, about all all the ways that you get what you want out of the sex that you're having or that you hope to have one day or that you're not having because it's not going the way that you Mm -hmm. want it to go. Uh, I got into, I've been in the sex ed world for about 15 years now. It's something that I stumbled into just because I was an over-sexualized kid who happened to have big boobs and people assumed that I knew a lot about sex or that I was having sex or that Mm -hmm. I was sexually available just because I, I looked like I was in their eyes. And so to protect myself from that energy, I just made it a point to learn a lot. So I read a lot of books. I watched a lot of documentaries. I listened to lots of folks who were considered experts um, just talk about 
sex and communication and pleasure and bodies and anatomy and identities. And I took a lot of that and expanded on it in a way that made sense for Black queer Mm -hmm. femmes. And I took a lot of it and I erased it from my memory (laughs) because it didn't apply to Black queer femmes. I think that when you're when you're talking about sexuality and pleasure and identity and you're prioritizing black folks, you're prioritizing queer identities, you're prioritizing trans and non-binary folks, you can't take most of what is taught as sex education Mm -hmm. as fact. A lot of it just simply does not apply. Mm -hmm. And so I have made a point to be like, "Mm, this is what makes sense for me and my people. And this simply does not. And I'm not going to regurgitate these same quote unquote facts because that is not what applies to my community. Love that. Fun fact about me. My first, I lied, my second job (laughs) out of college was as a sex educator and I spent years helping to rewrite curriculum um, because I was like, I'm a whole black queer femme and I teach, I taught all girls and they didn't relate to the stuff that, you know, I would read, you know, you sit down, you get the curriculum, you read it and you're like a seventh grader, a black seventh grader from Harlem. Don't want to hear none of this. She has different questions. She has different needs than what is being provided in this curriculum. So I had to rewrite a lot of the curriculum. And then I ended up helping to rewrite the sort of larger national curriculum, which was awesome. But it was a lot of work. It was a lot of labor. And it took a lot of me going back and unlearning the things that I had learned, right? Because I came, I come from a back, a family who has like a medical background. And so I learned like the, what I learned about like sex and sex education was, had to do with, mechanics and bodies and like using the anatomically correct word and less about like consent and pleasure and like what does it mean to like identify good and bad touch and it took me a long time to learn that and took me a longer time to figure out how to say that to seventh graders or to 16 year olds or to girls who were incarcerated right and like I think we don't uh you know Twitter is a mess but facts you know some somebody on Twitter today got ratioed because, you know, they were like, oh, y'all want to teach sex ed to kindergartners, you're on crack. And it was like, girl, what? Like, you could just, you could just, you could have just sat there and ate your food. Yeah, you could have simply (laughs) not shared that. You could have simply kept that particular thought off of the internet, but instead you decided to share it with us. And actually read the article and and saw what it is that folks were saying about why it is that we should be talking to young children about their bodies and about consent and about bodily autonomy. And it just, it was a wild, it was a wild morning on Twitter. Um, So yeah, I, I deeply appreciate that. And, and the ways in which that you have made, that you've centered the folks who are important to you in the way that you create education and create spaces. And I want to ask because you are an educator and because you do spend time, you know, making space for other people, how are you making space for yourself and caring for yourself in the middle of a pan pizza out here? Ooh, child. That question, <laughs> I love when people ask me that question because it helps to remind me that I need to do shit for myself. 
I have a habit of getting into routines for myself and realizing how much pleasure or joy or relief they bring me. And then I decide I need to share this with other people. I need to make sure that other people know that this is the thing that could work for them. And then it's no longer mine. And it stops being about you. Exactly. So Black Femmes be like, all right, let me go ahead and sip on my little beverage. (laughs) Because that is absolutely true. Like being a community ass bitch, as they be saying on one of my fave podcasts, (laughs) being a community ass bitch, I'm always thinking about how I can support my community. And so one of the things that has been a part of my life since as long as I can remember is bath time. Bath time has always been this like deeply intimate, deeply like ritualistic thing in my household. Um, I even remember when I was a kid, like my mom would be sitting in the tub with a hand towel across her chest and call me in the bathroom to give whatever her version of life advice was in that moment. And so those (laughs) moments stick with me. And even now my bath time is sacred. And once I realized how much my bath time was serving me, especially at the beginning of the panty raid, I decided (laughs) to share it with folks via Tiny Tub, which is my twice a week IG live talk show. And so I'm in the tub. It's great. Y'all should watch it. (laughs) You should. Thank you. Um, I'm in the tub twice a week. I get folks to get in the tub and talk to me on IG live about what they got coming up and how they take care of themselves and their community and all of those things. And after a couple months of doing Tiny Tub, I realized that I hadn't had a bath time to myself since I started doing Tiny Tub. And so now I make it a point to take baths on days that are not Tiny Tub days so that I still have that peace that is just for me. Right. Love that. And I think it's super important that like we take a step back as community as bitches because, you know, sometimes sometimes you look up and you realize that's who you've become. Um, And then you look back at your life and realize that's who you've been the whole time. But if you're not going to pour into yourself, right, if you're not making the space to say like, oh, wait, this thing that is nourishing and enriching to me needs to be done for me and then shared with everybody else, like both and, it's easy, it's real easy to get lost, right? Especially because we don't have as much structure and routine as we did, you know, when we weren't in a panorama. Um, And it's really easy to lose yourself in service to whatever it is you're in service to, whether it is mm -hmm. a partner or the community or a particular goal that you have. Like, it's so easy to lose the rest of yourself in service to whatever it is. And so moments like this is when I get to check myself and be like, girl, when is the last time you actually just sat in the tub by yourself, for yourself, had a little book? lit a little candle and like was not worried about nobody or nothing else. Yes. Yes. As a person who owns an actual tiny tub, like I have one of those like New York city apartments that has a bathroom that somehow got cut in half. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta love Uh, New York. (laughs) People, every person who comes to my apartment and it's literally been five people because, you know, we're in a pan pizza has been like, do you, get in that bathtub and I'm like yes <laughs> I grew up with a clawfoot 
you know, giant tub in my brownstone when I like lived with my parents. But now I have this little ass tub and you know what? It's mine. Um, and I love it. Uh, Clawfoot tub. And that's, I, <laughs> that's the dream right there. I've that's never literally had my way very till own I go. clawfoot tub. Yeah, I, I'm going to steal a clawfoot tub from somebody's old Victorian house and install it wherever I end up living. Like my forever home I support will it. have a clawfoot tub and it will be vintage. And I will likely have to As restore it, it myself because I don't trust nobody <laughs> to do it for me. <sighs> yes. Um, because who can Black Femmes trust? <laughs> listen, I didn't watch that Megan interview. I just read the highlights. But, but what I heard Megan say was, don't trust none of these hoes. Specifically not the people who invented colonialism. Anywho, you know, the way that my focus <laughs> on like blackness and black culture is set up, as soon as you said Megan, my mind went the stallion and not Duchess Martha. of Sussex or whatever her title <laughs> not is. Duchess like, of Sussex. The, the <laughs> Megan that matters to me is the stallion. I mean, yes, Megan Markle also gets my support as a black femme. However, like, my mind is oriented to yeah. like, what is relevant in yes, black culture Megan and also her knees because I aspire I know that my knees will never <laughs> my knees could never but I aspire you know I often um, have to remind myself that Megan the Stallion is 10 years younger than me so I should not okay feel bad. say it say it for the me in the back I think you're, I you're think what's happening is that <laughs> us in like the the 30 and over the 40 and over even like the late 20s folks we be looking at Megan and we're like oh yeah we supposed to do that Megan is 23 or some shit like that is right. not I was doing some whole other when shit I was when I was 23 right when I was 23 that's the kind of shit I could do and now that's not and that's okay it's literally I have to remind myself it is okay that my body does different things because there were some things that I did not have access to when I was 23. Let's talk about that. Because as your body matures, you discover some hidden talents and some things. Ooh. Some things loosen up. Ooh. Some things tighten up. You're like, wait a minute. <laughs> Look at all this wagon I'm dragging. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! I have a whole list of questions. And I'm really here just talking to you. So transitioning a little bit, but not a lot of it. <clears throat> What I want to actually want to talk about Ho Hive and I very specifically want to talk about why it is that it was important to create a like intentional black kink space. Like where, where did, how did we get here? How do I get there when we are not in a Ponderosa and <laughs> how do the people... <laughs> And how do the people get there? <laughs> so I came to the whole hive with limited kink experience, but a lot of knowledge or I guess curiosity that like this world exists, right? So mm-hmm. in the past, mm, I'll say seven to 10 years, kink has become much more mainstream in a way that it simply wasn't 
uh, right. before that. And an awful movie and series of books by the name of Fifty Ugh. Shades of Grey has Ugh. a lot to do with that. Uh, Fifty Shades of Grey is a really poor representation of kink culture and of Zero out of ten. dynamics. Do not recommend. Yeah, not at all. Not at all. I think that there is better actual fan fiction, not just like weird fan fiction that somebody monetized. There is better actual fan fiction on the internet that better represents the dynamics that were attempted to <laughs> be portrayed in that series of books and movies that you could get for what? For free. The biggest effects. But the one positive I'll say that came out of that is that a lot of people were curious. A lot of people were made mm-hmm. aware that like, oh, this outlet exists. This means of expression exists. This way of experiencing pleasure exists. And so as a Black queer non-binary femme, it is important to me to experience newness in spaces that are for me and spaces that like have me and all of my identities in mind. And the fact of the matter is, out, even outside of those identities, there is an, an elitism or a classism when it comes to mm. most, I'll say, like non-mainstream communities. There's there's some gatekeeping and there's this idea that you have to know somebody to get in or you have to, mm-hmm. quote unquote, pay your dues, whether literally or figuratively, or you got to have mm-hmm. the look and you got to go out and spend however much money on your leather Fish. gear or your implements or whatever. And that type of gatekeeping is upsetting to me and my homegirls. So we decided to create our own space where who we are and our curiosities and our ways of expressing ourselves and of experiencing pleasure was not only the priority, but the standard. And I think that what what happens when these like pre-established spaces all of a sudden say, hmm, we should diversify. We should think (laughs) about the Black people in these spaces. We should like reconsider how we're treating women and femmes in our spaces. The fact of the matter is the standard is still prioritizing Mm -hmm. someone else. (laughs) Someone else. And so when you start from scratch as Black queer femmes, we get to say, this is what we want. And also recognizing that like, Black queer femme identity is not a monolith. There are an infinite number of ways to be a Black queer femme. And so when you have a board or a collective or whatever that has like a Black queer femme speaking on behalf of all the (laughs) Black queer femmes. All the Black queer femmes. (laughs) Exactly. You're still, you're you're requiring this one person to represent Uh, an infinite number of ways to be a Black queer femme. And so when the Whole Hive was established, I went to the very first live event that they had. And I was like, I need to be a part of this. I need to let people know that this is happening. I need to make sure that my, my community knows that we have access to a space and a venue like this. And so... It was really important to me to incorporate 
an educational aspect because curiosity mm-hmm. is great, but curiosity can also get you hurt. So it's important to have Woo! some respect for safety and protocol and language and all of those things. And in my opinion, there is nobody better to learn from than your own community. I don't need to outsource education. I don't need to bring in a white person. I don't need to bring in a cis man. I don't need to bring in somebody else to teach my people. What I can do is reach within my community because what we need is already there. You just got to find it. So this is somebody. Okay. Somebody's cousin. It's somebody's friend. Somebody knows somebody that they talked to once at a party five years ago and (laughs) they can just send them a cute little DM on Instagram and the knowledge is here. The knowledge, what we need, we have. Exactly. And what I ended up finding out was that my people was already down. My people was already kinky, already in the life, already like either practicing solo or with a partner or like in a community or an organization that they didn't feel fully mm. affirmed in because they were the only one that looked like them or the only one that identified like them. So once we were able to say like, hey, this exists for us, the same people that we were already in community with were like, oh, look at that. It's for us. (laughs) How do we be down? And so it just, it grew from there. And it was about three years of live events before the panda bear took us all down. Um, My my paniversary is coming up. My paniversary is March 13th. (laughs) And that was the date of the last live Ho Hive event. And we ended up having to cancel it like two hours beforehand. And then the pan-seared salmon came. The panorama got us. took us out. <laughs> yeah, it's it's wild. Like, just looking back at the couple of days, like, leading up to that event. And it was very much like a duality. You had folks who were like, look, we understand that shit is about to change, but let's just go ahead and get it in this one last time and then shut it down. And then you had other folks who were like, absolutely the fuck not. I am not leaving my house as of this moment. Um, Please refund my ticket money. (laughs) I am going to go ahead and return this ensemble that I purchased. Like we had, we had both of those things. Yes, ensemble. We had both of those things. And so we ultimately ended up canceling the event, but we were able to keep online community alive. So there were some some virtual Mm -hmm. shows and events that happened um, and a lot of just community building, a lot of connecting in ways that like even in a curated safer space is still kind of intimidating to like walk up to somebody and ask them questions or approach them. So there's like Mm -hmm. a safety in the like anonymity of online interaction and just being able to slide in a DM. And then like, if your message never gets responded to, okay, we can pretend it never got sent. Like there's, there's some safety in that too. Yeah. I love that. I love the like transition, even though I agree with you, it, it's a, it was a hard transition, right? To go from like live, in person, getting to breathe on each other <laughs> to like, you know, the screen time. It also means that like folks who we maybe would never, who would not have had access to those spaces, right? Because it was too far or, you know, like 
I'm in a different state, but I definitely was like, let me see some of these digital tickets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if I don't, if I just have to put on my ensemble and sit on the couch, we good. So that's another thing that I noticed when I started hosting my own virtual play parties. I noticed that. Hold up, what? <laughs> so around April of 2020, I started hosting my own virtual play parties. And they really became like X-rated adult game nights. Like folks would turn on their little Zoom or whatever and be dressed in lingerie or whatever the theme was for that night. And we would play Truth or Dare or Never Have I Ever or come up with some drinking game. And then like things would go from there. But what happened was that we ended up bringing in so many people who said that they never would have gone to an in-person event like this. They never Mm. would have felt comfortable wearing lingerie in front of a bunch of strangers. They never would have felt comfortable pulling up to some random address, not knowing what was going down on the inside. And so being able to be in their own home and have the safety of, if I don't like this, all I got to do is click leave meeting. And, you know, they didn't waste any time or effort or energy or money outside of the ticket price. Yeah, (laughs) like to to get in. And so it created this access for people who like the idea of an in-person event was just entirely too far out of their comfort zone. And so they got to they got to step into this virtual world, this virtual freedom and have a little bit of fun that way. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, I'm thinking about like 20 something me. And I, I, the first time I went to a play party, I did, I went with a crowd because I was like, what I'm not going to do, what I'm not going to do is go by myself. Uh, And so I, and I, I am thinking about like, oh, I went with a group of people who are trusted, who were like, okay, this is, this is what's going to happen. Here's what you should like. They were clear and explained to me and answered all my questions. But that's because I had that. And then we got there. And of course, we were like, our group was the only group of black folks there. But, you know, that's that's, that's how, how it goes be. sometimes. That's yes, how it be. But I had this like resource available to me. And oftentimes what I find is exactly what you were saying of folks being like, I would love to do this, but I have so many questions. And I am legitimately like concerned and afraid and I don't want to make the effort and and put myself out there for for me to like risk what might happen, right? And obviously like a, a lot of times the things that are like that, what might happen in our head are way more insane than like what would happen IRL, but like that is a real thing to think about and to consider. And so I think it's really amazing that folks have been able to create access to this world and to this community that would not have exist if we wasn't running out here in this Ponderosa. And I, I, I yeah, so like as much as, as much as it's been a mess of a year. I think that the ways that especially Black Femmes have taken the time to create spaces where we we can get what we need from each other. Absolutely. <laughs> is so important. Okay. We are and innovative so speaking, as fuck out here. Yes. Yes. We are literally making it happen. Making a way out of what? No, no way. way. 
There was no way. And we were like, mm, actually, actually, what we're going to do is let me just take my little string and a paper clip real quick. Okay. <laughs> let me use the resources I got. All I got is this edge comb and I'm going to go ahead and just carve away where there was none. Woo. And so I think the, the question I have for you is what are the ways that you are yourself or when you talk to other folks, identifying ways to center pleasure in the midst of a global crisis, right? Like we have now been sitting inside for a year. Mm-hmm. Like my, my like anniversary is coming up in, in probably in the, like somewhere around the 20th is when like my muggle job shut down, like the, like New York city shut down. My mama was calling me like, are you okay? Um, all of that. And so, yeah, like, what are the ways that you are centering pleasure in the midst of all the disaster? And what are the ways that, like, you're encouraging Black femmes to do that as well? So this is another one of those things that I did some shit and I realized that it worked for me. And so I decided to share it with community. I created a whole class about it. So my uh-huh. advice to folks is to curate your space to have room for your pleasure. So since we're we're at home, we're seeing the same space all the time, it's important to have subtle ways to make your space look different so that it puts you in a different mindset. It puts you in the mental space to receive pleasure. One of those subtle differences that might cost, I don't know, maybe $10, $15 is some colored light bulbs. You can change. Girl, you know how I do with the lights. Okay, honey, you know. (laughs) I mean, you can change the vibe in your space just by getting yourself one of those colored light bulbs that comes with the remote and turn on your red light or your blue light or your purple light, whatever lighting it is that like is going to get you in that particular mood. I know we all think like red light special, so that's the sexy, but any any color can alter your mood. Any color can kind of separate you from the the mundane or like the normalcy of your space. Mm -hmm. I also recommend like just having a little area that's just for you. So I love throw pillows and blankets. I have more of them than I could ever possibly need. And I'll just, (laughs) do you remember on MTV Cribs when they were showing Beyonce's, like, I guess it was her childhood home or whatever. And there was this room that was all like pillows and Afghans and like silk fabrics Mm -hmm. and stuff. And so I'll just like throw all my throw pillows on the floor, throw my blankets out and like have this little area that just feels soft and cushy and comfortable. And it's mine. And I'm not at my desk. I'm not on my couch. I'm not in the bed. Like it's this separate area, separate from all Mm -hmm. of these other functional areas of my space that I get to just have for myself for the purpose of feeling good. So like, yeah, explore your space, move some stuff around, move some furniture if you need to, like just experience your space differently. And that'll help you be able Mm -hmm. to like feel different in your space. I love that. I think that it's been 
you know, I moved last year and I know you moved recently and it's been, you know, setting up a new apartment in the middle of, you know, all the things, the way that I have prioritized making it feel good over everything else. Like I'm like, "Mm, I will wait a couple extra paychecks to to buy the more expensive thing <laughs> because okay. I want to, if, if, if I'm in the house all the time, it needs to be the best thing. It needs to be the best yes. version of the hue lights. It needs to be the best at home, uh, podcast situation. It needs to be the best. Uh, I have a sad lamp, <laughs> like it needs to be the best version of the thing because it's literally the only thing that I have, right? It's the only, the bed, the plants, the walls, the pictures, the art. Even my, um, you know, people laugh at me all the time, but like my pole shoes, right? Like I am definitely like one of those people who had one pair of pole shoes for the whole time I've been dancing pole. Got a pole at home, all of a sudden. I got a whole big ass collection of shoes. As you should. And it's like, oh, I need to. F- <laughs> I need all of. I need a different shoe for a different mood. And I think it's. Oftentimes, especially as as black queer femmes, we are socialized to not do things for ourselves. Right. I know yes. that I often feel guilty when I spend money on myself, where I, when I say like, I'm going to buy the the luxury item, quote unquote luxury item, as opposed to the like more affordable or whatever. But being at home means that I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. The only, the only person who's going to experience is me, right? The only person who, for whom this is super important is me. And that means I get to, I get to do you know, a thing that I've been working with, with like my therapist and my trainer and lots of other folks is like, you know, you treat your body, you treat yourself like it's someone you love. Right. And if it's someone I love, I'm going to do the absolute best for them. The best I can afford, the most effort I can give, the highest (laughs) of priorities. And I'm like, oh, if myself, if my body is someone that I love, then I deserve. So I think that that advice around like centering, centering pleasure as what you described as a sensualist, right? As as like the things that feel good and taste good and 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 bring you deep sensual pleasure is is a really amazing um, focus. So I want you to think of a word that describes the the kind of pleasure you're into right now. Oh, I know that's hard, (laughs) but don't not a sentence, a word that describes the kind of pleasure that you're into right now. And that's going to be our toast. A word that describes the kind of pleasure that I am into right now. You know what? I'm going to say, genuine pleasure Mm. i think that being honest about what you want and what you're into and where your boundaries are is so important and for me it's a huge turnoff to like 
to know that someone like endured something just because they thought I would like it or that they put themselves in an awkward situation Mm. for the sake of my pleasure. Like that does not make me feel good. That does not affirm me. That doesn't make me feel proud that you like put yourself out there. Like, no, honor yourself, honor where your boundaries are, honor where you are willing to go and if we can expand that together, great. If you're comfortable staying where you are, also great. We don't have to, you do not have to push your boundaries for my sake. Do it for yourself. So genuine pleasure and exploration is what I'm about right now. I love that. I think that my word is cozy. Like, I think I'm in a space of like, I... Mm -hmm. You know, my muggle job be be trying it. <laughs> um <laughs> as they do. My, you know, and I got like right. I got left fit the limb side hustles and that's all intense. And so like I think that when I am in a space of thinking about like what how do I want to engage in pleasure? It's like, oh, I want to I just want to be comfortable. Right? Like I want to be held. I want to be like you know, affirmed, like, I don't, I don't want, I, you know, the like concentric circles of like comfort and then stretch and then panic. I want to be squarely in the middle of the comfort zone because that is, that is what I have the capacity to do. And when I am in a space of like being able to rest um, and think about pleasure. So, yeah, I think, I think that's where I'm at. Um, So cheers. Woo. All right, fam. Plug all the things. Tell me about Hoha. Tell me about Tiny Tub. Tell me about coaching. Tell all of it. Tell me everything. Where where can the people find you? The people can find me at Pleasure Over Everything on Instagram. That is where I post all of my flyers of upcoming events and things that are going on at the store that I work at. I actually work in like a brick and mortar sex shop. And so that's always interesting. Um, But we have classes and workshops that happen out of that space. Um, And I have my own independent classes and workshops and speaking engagements. If folks are looking to book me to speak or teach or coach, then they can reach out to pleasureovereverything at gmail.com. My website will be launching this spring, pleasureovereverything.com. As you see, there's a theme here, pleasure over everything. Um, That's who I am. It's what I do. (laughs) Uh, It's really beautiful how it came to be that pleasure over everything is my brand. P-O-E-T is is the acronym pleasure over everything. I am a poet before I am any of these other things. I've been writing poetry since I can remember. Um, Actually, while I was moving, I like dug up some old stuff that was like written in notebooks and on like restaurant menus and stuff, just like old poems. And so poetry is 
one of the first places that I found pleasure and affirmation. And so it was really important to me to incorporate my love of poetry and poetry's pouring into me as a part of my pleasure mm-hmm. coaching mm-hmm. and sex ed brand. So here I am now, poet pleasure coaching, pleasure over everything. Hey, it's who I am. It's what I do. It's where you can find me. Yes. Thank you so much. <sighs> this was super, super magical. Yeah, um, this felt like we're just kicking it. Like we're just talking. I know. You know. <laughs> just with the fans. All right, folks. Yes. Love that. So you can find Jennifer Eden at Pleasure Over Everything. You can find Cheers and Queers at Cheers, the letter N Queers. You can also use the hashtag Cheers and Queers and pod in on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. I will activate my Facebook to check the <laughs> to check the hashtags, y'all. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Obviously, tell your friends all about this podcast. Go into the hashtag, meet some cuties, tell us what you're drinking. And then go and check out the Patreon tiers. The link is in the show notes. You can do everything from spend, you know, $2 to giving us uh, all of your money and putting us in your estate. Those are the options. Um, there, Come there's on, a range, range available Come on, to you. range. We love it. <laughs> and then if you are unable to support us on Patreon or if you're like, I'm going to be extra, extra because Black Femmes deserve. You can go ahead and rate us on iTunes and leave comments. We truly, truly, truly do love to hear from you. And this helps other people find the podcast. So the music in this episode was provided by B. Steadwell, Boomscat, and Abel Shifra. You can find B at bsteadwell.com. You can find Boomscat at boomscat.com. And you can find Abel in his house because we still in this Ponderosa. And we are a member of the Gifted Sounds Network. This episode was produced by Aha Yushoke and uh, is engineered and put together with the support of Lance John. Thanks so much, y'all. This has been a Gifted Sounds podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. For more podcasts, please visit giftedsounds.com. We gon' set it off. We gon' tear it up. Baby, can you handle, can you handle it, if I go there, baby, with you, I can handle it, if you go there, baby, with me, can you handle it, if I go there, baby, with you, we gon' set it off, we gon' tear it up Baby, can you handle Across the room and I
I've got a couple questions for you. Like, what is your name? What is your sign? Are we compatible? Where you from? Can I come? What is your favorite color, babe? I wanna know everything, 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 everything. So I say, hey, how you doing? I see you standing there alone across the room. And I got a couple questions for you Like What are you drinking? I've got two for you And I don't wanna take you home tonight But I wanna know what's on your mind Cause I see God in your eyes And I don't mean to get too deep but i see what i see so i start out by asking you a few questions like what's your name where you from can i come what's your sign are we compatible and I say, hey, how you doing? I see you standing there alone, looking all good. I want to get to know you. And I just got a couple questions for you. Hey, how you doing? Oh, hey, how you doing? Hey.